Hey guys, welcome to the Did That Really Happen podcast, season two, episode whatever. We don't have any in order. Uh, this summer season really kind of crept up on Caleb and I. Many of you know Caleb announced that he's moving to Texas. And so unfortunately for some of these episodes, he's not going to be able to be on the podcast with me. And so I'm kind of a lone gun. And in order to make up the slack, I asked two guys that I know can kind of help tell some stories about the time that we've shared together at preacher training camp as well as just life in general. So I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves and I'm going to finish my Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich while they do that. Caleb Lowry, you are up. So as he already said, my name is Caleb Lowry and I was one of the, wouldn't say original campers, but it's like the second or third year. I can't really remember. Um, Back when there was only a few of us. Like 50? No, it was less than that. It was like 25. I think the first year was 27. Okay. Then and then it, it, it was grew. under 30. It grew every year after that. It was under 30, so it would have been second or third year. Yeah. There were probably like 38 of us in the second year, so that would track. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. All right. So, now, anyway. Caleb, where do you live? Uh, Texas, actually. Texas. That's right. The Dallas area. Um, man, I wasn't far from you. Uh, back in March, I did a meeting up in Edgewood. Wow. I Ed- stayed in Terrell. You realize that Edgewood is 30 minutes from my house, and you didn't call me. Well, you know, you didn't get the memo. Ma- you didn't even the memo think that- to let me know. I- hey. <laughs> anyway, Nick. Nick is here with us. We're going to, we're going to, you might, guys, you might hear a, that's the microphone being moved over so that Nick can talk because, again, I'm on the road right now for school business, and I had to bring a setup, and I only brought two mics. So, yeah. But Nick Lowry is here. Nick, go ahead. Uh, My name is Nicholas Lowry. I came to camp the first time in 2015, I believe. And um, we can, if we want to lead in with a great story about my first year at camp, we can start there. Uh, We're going to just kick it off. All right, so I got to set up half of this, and then I'll kick it over to you. Okay. So, back in that time, Foundations was growing exponentially, and I was in charge of helping, at least in some form or fashion, getting housing done. And so, I would sit down with Dad, and I would go through all the housing requests would be printed out, and I would look at them, and then I would kind of put people where they went. So, if Caleb said, I want to be in Michael's apartment, I would do everything I could to put Caleb in Michael's apartment. At a certain point, though, it becomes incredibly difficult to do that because you get to a point where all the housing assignments are pretty full and you get left with what we call straggling room assignments where there's like two people in this apartment that could go in, three or four in here. And Nick was like the last person to register that year that we accepted. And so I saw... On his housing request, his cousin, Caleb, that's their, Caleb and Nick are cousins, the guys that are on the podcast today. And I looked at it and I just told my dad, I was like, can he be in my apartment? Because that's where I had Caleb. And we were already at the limit of how many people could be in my apartment. And it was already too many people probably. Um, So I decided I was going to just put Caleb across or Nick across the hall. There was one room assignment left and I was like, you know what? Nick can come hang out in my room all day and all night until it's bedtime and he can, you know, shuffle over across the hall and go to sleep and everybody's going to be happy with that. And we got to the day that everybody comes in and this man comes up to me 
like red Eminem. That's how red his face was. And he is just getting all over the the camp basically about this assignment with this Nicholas Lowry, you know, over and over again. Nicholas Lowry is not where he needs to be. Nicholas Lowry. And I just admittedly was like, I I can't stand Nicholas Lowry and I haven't even met him yet because he's he's really causing this day to not be a good day. And so I go into dad's office and I was like, hey, here's what's happened. Nick's dad's pretty upset that he's not in with Caleb. I said, I can either take a guy out and put Caleb across the way, but that's not what Caleb wants, or I can just let Nick sleep on my couch. And dad said, okay, let Nick sleep on your couch. And so that's what we did. And so I I spent, this is just my side, and then I'm going to let Nick tell his side. I spent years thinking that your dad hated me because the only interaction I had with him was that. And then at the end of the week, he goes, thanks for putting my boy with Caleb. And he just walked away. And so I was, for years, just thought, Nick's dad hates me, and I don't even know him. Earlier this week, I tried to put a suction cup on your dad's head for your iPad holder or whatever, mm-hmm. and he let me. So I think we're on good terms. Yeah. Um, and he, he seems to like me now, but that's my side of the story where I did not like your dad for a while. I love your dad. He's an awesome guy. It was just a really bad way to start off. Your side of the story, though, has more detail as to why all of this even happened, and Caleb might even chime in with some of the stuff he knows. So go ahead. So I had had pretty miserable experience at the only other camp I'd been to. Um, I I had not enjoyed it at all and was not really... I was going to the camp because Caleb had said that it was a great experience, so I I thought I should probably go. I wasn't very much out of my shell yet at that point, um, and there there are some other things that lead into part of why Michael had probably had so much trouble that year. I don't know if you remember. That was the first year with girls, so you were probably dealing yeah. with that whole problem as well because yeah. there wasn't enough room for us all to be on the campus either right. with all the girls. We did have like five off-site houses that members at Forest Hill graciously gave so that they could make it work because we said, hey, girls can come now too, and then we had like 200 campers, and it was insane. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that because um, I did the housing for them too, and it was it was, it was was great. No, I'm and sorry. And you know what? Uh, <laughs> knowing, knowing how camp went from then, I probably would have been more okay with being across the hall if I had known how little time we were going to be in our rooms. Yeah. The last camp I had been, we spent like two or three hours a day back at our room for like rest time because yeah. it was a camp in South Texas. It's too hot to be out from three to five during the day. So you go back to your room and just lay around, and I didn't want to be stuck in a room with nobody without somebody that I knew. Yeah. Oh, that, that reminds me. I told your dad at first. I was like, look, he can come over and spend all free time in my apartment. He goes, that's not good enough. And I was like. Let me talk to the director, and we'll see what we can do. So, th- yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, we have there's there's some free time, but not a lot. Caleb, did, did he know who you were? Did I, he know that uh, you were the his the director's son at that point? I don't know. I there's a part of me that felt like he just saw someone who was in charge of like telling people, hey, because back then, not only did I put people at least in some form or fashion in their room assignments, I also when they arrived drove down to the apartment that they were going to be staying in and showed them because uh, that's when I had that red escape. Mm-hmm. And so I would throw their bags in the back of the red escape. I'd have the, 
back of the trunk open and I just say, Hey, hop in and I'll drive you down to your, your apartment. And so I think he saw me doing that and just automatically assumed correctly that I was in charge of housing in some way. And he was just like, Hey, you're going to fix this. <laughs> and we, we did. I really probably would have had a better, better experience at camp wow. that first year wow. if I had known I could sleep in another room. Wow! Because because Michael's room Michael's room doesn't go to bed until two o'clock at camp. Well, okay. To be fair, to be fair, we're gonna get Caleb's perspective on this too. But we did study the Bible yeah. for like four of those hours because we kept getting distracted in our devo because somebody we'd be studying like Matthew. We'd be studying the genealogy of Jesus. Not really, but, you know, that would be a terrible devo at a Christian camp. Like, all right, guys, let's talk about these names, and we're going to get you to pronounce them. Um, yeah. Somebody's like, now, just think, one day this could be, you know, your life story, basically. This could Someone could write down how many people you have in your ancestor or whatever. But we would have a devo set out, like John 1, 1 through 3. And we would be like, in the beginning was the word. And someone would be like, Microsoft? No. And then we'd have to spend like two minutes getting off of that subject back to the Bible. And it got to the point where there were some nights where I would sit with a Nerf gun. And if you started to talk, I would just, I would rack the Nerf gun and get it ready. And there was one particular time where somebody, I'm not saying who, got shot in the eye by somebody, not saying if it was me or not, because I wasn't always the only one that held the Nerf gun. Some of the guys that are on the podcast with me today would often take a Nerf gun and decide themselves that they were going to point at people and shoot. So we had to stop that policy after that happened because it was an accidental, you know, it was a misfire. Um, But we would have to do stuff to try to get people to focus. But then a lot of times, too, after the Devos would end, we just kind of got sidetracked. Accurate. Yeah. Now, to be fair, too, I thought that Nick was, like, mute when we first met him. And I thought that he had something wrong with him because he didn't speak. Not not from the moment. And when we first met, your dad was still kind of yelling at me. And so I wasn't aware if it was so much of you were just terrified of the whole situation and felt embarrassed about what was happening. Like, I can't believe I'm causing all of this. Or how much of it was just like, I don't speak. And so I had, I like called Caleb out in the hall and I was like, is there something wrong with Nick? <laughs> because. No, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta add the. Here, there's okay, a mic for a reason. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm a loud person. You've got to remember though, that it wasn't, that didn't happen an hour after he got there. That happened two days after he got that's, there. That's true. And you, you actually called me out seriously into the hallway because my cousin who a little more details he's a very quiet person he doesn't talk a lot he's not even speaking right now yeah pretty much and he would just sit on the couch every night and stare that is true okay that's to be all fair, he did to be fair he would stare at the wall <laughs> i'm doing it right now you, you guys on the podcast you have no benefit of this but they can see it he would just stare at the wall and i would go hey nick and he'd stare at me for a second and he'd just stare back at the wall never said a word <laughs> And so I, I genuinely believed that you were mute. Well, there were like, I, there were quite a few people in the room, and everybody was talking. Yeah, I didn't have anything. I didn't know any of these people. Everybody else knew each other because I came after. Your room was always like the people that had been there for a while, and I got thrown into the room. Yeah, because my dad threatened to fight you. Basically, yeah, and I would have fought him that day. No, <laughs> um, I would have lost, but it would have been a valiant fight. 
I got thrown in the room and I didn't know anybody. So I was just sitting in the corner while everybody else was talking, sitting yeah. on the couch and just listening because the conversations were always interesting enough to just listen to. Yeah. Cause we would, I mean, we would spend a lot of time focusing on the upcoming devos that y'all had and other stuff. We would have our fair shares. We'll talk about some of the stuff that happened. Uh, we'll ha- we had our fair share of horsing around, um, you know, Brandon Blackwell almost got us in major trouble one year. Uh, we'll talk about that at some point. I'm sure on one of the episodes that we're doing here today, which is this episode, we're not doing multiple. But um, I really thought that like the reason that you had to be with Caleb was because you you were mute. <laughs> you also okay. Look, you also have to re- remember something. Or I guess not remember, but know something about my cousin. Not only does he not, or at that point in his life, not speak very much, but he would take the least, the path of least resistance to get the answer to whoever he was talking to. So he did a lot of shrugging. So you would ask him a question and he would just, he would just shrug his shoulders and there would be no interaction other than that. Yeah. I'd be like, hey man, because, okay, one of the stories we can talk about, um, we would order pizza and we never really told anybody that we would would do this, but we would wait. Until like midnight. And this was pre-pandemic, so everybody was still open, basically. Because Pizza Hut, I think, back then stayed open until one or two. Yeah, something like that. And so we would pool money together, and we would order pizza. And then the pizza would get there around like 1230 or 1. Our diva would probably be ending about that time. I always wondered why other counselors looked at me weird when I went down to get the pizza from somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Because I no was one told else by did Michael that. that we could do that. Yeah, no one else did that. Um, and when when people would ask me, "Did you order pizza last night?" I'd just walk away. I just wouldn't even answer. It's not <laughs> lying. I, if I don't answer, I mean, <laughs> and plus it was pretty much that's me saying yes because I'm not comfortable enough to tell you no or yes. So me walking away is the answer. But we would order pizzas, and I remember one year I basically like looked at Nick and I was like, "Hey man, what kind of pizza do you like?" And he just shrugged. And that's completely accurate because I will eat any kind of pizza. That's true, but that doesn't help me who has all these different options in front of him that he's trying to order, and I'm trying to make sure that it's going to work well. I should have said just order whatever's the cheapest because I really don't care. That's a good point. You would say that now, though. I would. I wouldn't have said that then. All right. Nick, you have some stories that you want to tell, at least a story that you want to tell. I led into the first story. The second thing is um, an interaction – me and Caleb went to the Memphis, uh, the Memphis School of Preaching lectures one year, and I don't remember what exactly what year that was. I guess it would probably have been like 2017 or 2018. Um, but late at night one night after the lectures got done at like 8:30, there was there is like a Waffle House that's fairly close to the school. Yeah, Germantown. We decided to drive because that one is not the nicest Waffle House. It has armed um, security inside. So oh, no, that that's not that one. Okay, I see what, uh, yeah. We Winchester. decided to drive to Mississippi to go to Waffle House. So it was like a 40-minute oh, drive yeah. to get to the Waffle House. Yeah. And there were four, I don't remember exactly, there were five to seven of us that went. I don't remember exactly the number of people that went. Um, but we get to this Waffle House, and this is actually the first time I ate at Waffle House. So, along with going to Waffle House. I'm sorry. We have to pause. The first time I remember eating at Waffle House. That was your first time having American hibachi? Basically. (laughs) Really? There weren't Waffle Houses anywhere close to where I grew up. Where did you grow up? Norway? (laughs) In North Texas, there aren't, like, there are some Waffle Houses, but they weren't convenient for me or my family to ever go to. 
We have Whataburger in Texas. We I don't get, need I, Waffle I, House. I get that, but Waffle House is not Whataburger, and Whataburger is not well, Waffle but, House. But here's the thing you need to understand. In Texas, everyone that eats at a Waffle House is a crusty person. And we like thought... Literally or just metaphorically? Probably both. Okay. So everybody that's not crusty eats at Whataburger. What did we discover? Keep going. Okay. Um... <laughs> And, you know, so this was actually like my first or second time ever eating at a Waffle House. Probably the second time. And just a side note, people are pretty crusty in other places too. So, in all honesty, there are three types of restaurants in life. There are the really great restaurants. The restaurants that you can bank on every time you go, they're going to be good. Then there are the chain restaurants that are good. Then there are the chain restaurants that have to sound good. What I mean by that is White Castle and Crystals. You can't lie to me and say that you've never, at least once in your life, been like, you know what oddly sounds really good right now? I can attest to the fact that I have never thought that. Liar. I am not lying. I hate. <laughs> it's not even It's working. not working. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot stand oh. them. Nope. I you have some what? sounds on my, but they don't work. I hate to say this, Nicholas, but I just realized I did lie. Man. Because our first year at PTP, we spent like all night hanging out with this joker here. I, I should say goober. We're going to use the word goober. And it was like two in the morning and there was nothing open. And we ended up getting that. And I was like, oh, it's food. It sounds good. So I guess technically. That's my point. That. So Waffle House to me is that. But. When I was in preaching school, I can tell this because this is just kind of what it is, and then we'll go back to Nick because his story is not done. In preaching school, I was struggling. <clears throat> I was struggling to pass some of my tests. And so I decided to come up with a new study strategy. So what I would do is I would go home, get home around you know 4 or 5, 4.30, and I would study for a couple of hours. I would eat dinner, relax for a little bit, and then I would go to bed, go to bed around midnight. Then I would wake up at 4 a.m., and I would get dressed for the day, everything but my tie. And I would get in the car with a buddy, and we would drive to the Waffle House in Germantown. And for three hours, we would study. You know, you get a, a soda, coffee, whatever the guy wanted, and we would study back and forth. Just boom, 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 boom. 7 a.m., we'd order breakfast. Never failed a test doing that. So Waffle House became like a home when I was in school because – Every time I wanted to pass a test, that's where I went. But this particular night at Waffle House, um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a really great night because of our waiter. So we get into Waffle House. Again, my first time at Waffle House. I've never even looked at the menu, the, the, the menu with some of the strangest items, like hash browns with 18 things on them. Including chili and gravy at the same time. Which he ordered without hesitation. Well, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, but we get in, and all of us sit down, and this is like 11.30 at night by the time we get there. And so we're not all like, we like all of us order water. And the first thing this waiter does is go, y'all don't all need water. And so he, he goes, I'm just going to bring you some drinks. So he just brings out like a couple of Cokes and... Stuff and then we all go to order and we had already eaten dinner that night. Yeah, and so we weren't all like starving, but we decided to order some food. Well, the food gets out and he's he, he took our order and went. That's not enough food, so he just like 
decided he was going to bring us like five waffles to the table. <laughs> and it was okay. It wasn't even like a one-time thing. Like he thought, oh, they need some more food. I'm going to bring them more food. This yeah. was like a. He's working. We're there for a few hours. I'm still touching the table. I'm sorry. And he just brings like he'd walk by and set a waffle on the table, and then five minutes later he'd walk by and set a bunch of hash browns on the table, or this or that. And also, for detail purposes, he was not in his right mind. If that's even okay to say, no, we, you can say it. He was high. He was high as a kite. Okay, so here I've got more on that because when you go to Waffle House at four in the morning, you you see the clientele that Waffle House seeks to attract being open 24 hours a day. Um, and one year at another camp, um, I was a counselor, and we were granted the opportunity because all of our kids were asleep to leave and go to Waffle House. We asked the director, can we can we go to Waffle House? So he, he allowed us to. So we go to Waffle House. It's, it's 2.30 when we get there. We came back at 5.00. Part of the reason we came back at five was because we were watching a bunch of people that were high as a kite, and it was just like your own documentary right in front of you. You're watching these people like staring at a menu, and I kid you not, one of them was like, why are there pictures on this? And you're just kind of looking at it like, have you ever seen a menu before? But that night, one of the things that we did was we rickrolled... A Waffle House. You ever done that? It's amazing. Every Waffle House has a jukebox, right? Every jukebox can take a credit card. So what we did was I went over to the jukebox and I bought like $30 worth of songs. And I played a couple songs that were normal, you know, just regular, you know. And then I played Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, and we stayed there for this part. Everybody's like, oh, you know, ha-ha, we got Rick rolled. I bought the song 28 times in a row, and so it starts playing, and it ends, and we get up to pay. And so we're paying, and it starts playing again, and they're like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, da 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 and by the time everybody has paid, it starts playing a third time. And they're all just kind of like, the realization is sinking in that this is going to continue for a while. And everyone in there is, number one, high as a kite, and number two, absolutely flabbergasted that this song continues to play. And so what I did was I was kind of smart. Um, I bought one song in the middle of all of that that was not, Never going to give you up. And so we sat outside the Waffle House because nobody was watching us when we got to the car. And we sat and we were watching them. And when that song started to play, I think it was like Bruno Mars, Just the Way You Are or something. So that song starts playing and everybody's like, they're so excited. And we waited. And that song ends. And all of a sudden, (laughs) the song starts playing again. And everybody throws their arms up and like, you got to be kidding me. I promise you. One of the best things in life that you can do is go to a Waffle House at 3 in the morning and Rick roll it. And in order to do that, now you have to be ready to drive away because you never know what's going to happen at a Waffle House. Because several years later, uh, I go to do a gospel meeting in Antioch, Tennessee, 
and I wake up. We were driving in Saturday night, and Megan and I said, hey, let's go to Waffle House. We just had Adam. He was a very small boy. And um, this was the same year this happened with with y'all. That Waffle House got shot up at like 2.30 in the morning. Now, we wouldn't have been there that late with a you know negative-year-old. Um, he wasn't one yet. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I hate it when people are like, how old is your child? He's 182 weeks. No, no, he's, he's like four. Can we just say he's four and just move on with life, please? Do we have, (laughs) come on, we don't have to do the weeks thing. Um, I actually asked somebody one time, and I believe this was a relative of mine who won't be named, why we refer to babies by months until they're two is what I was told. I asked why, and they said, because it makes them sound like they're a little older. They don't act like it. Why does it matter? Well, okay, so what are we supposed to do when people get a little older? We're just supposed to start referring to them? Decades. <laughs> they're, four, they're only four decades. Yeah, come on, man. They're only 82 decades. Just back And out. when, if they cross the number, they become a century. Well, okay, this Waffle House that got, well, that's true. Um, this Waffle House that had gotten shot up, we come back to the hotel from the morning service and the police are there and they were looking for the shooter at our hotel. And I remember thinking, of course they are, you know, this just has to be because it's me. And those of you that have listened to this podcast before, you know, if it can happen to anybody, it will happen to Michael Clark. That's just a rule in life. Matt McBrayer is not on this particular podcast, but he's sitting next to me because he's going to be on the next episode. And Matt, he knows that very well because I literally went and did a meeting and something happened. And we'll talk about that on the next podcast. It'll be great. But that Waffle House, that shooter was in the hotel, basically, is what they were thinking. And they were going door to door trying to find the shooter. And I just remember thinking, he's in our room. I mean, he's got to be. Why, why would he not be? He walked in and he's like, Michael Clark's room. And they're just like, here's the key. You can go right up there to the elevator and he'll be on the left. And they were looking for hours. And Megan was like, well, I, I, I kind of want to lay down. And I'm like, uh, no, nobody's sleeping. Nobody's doing anything until we know if there's a shooter in the building or not. Because I was thinking we were going to have to run down, get in the car and leave. And I think we ended up going to a movie or something that afternoon to just get away from the police because they said, you can leave if you want to. But... This Waffle House, not only did we get a bunch of free stuff, but what else did he do? Well, the the next thing that happened is we get all this free food, and right as we start eating, well, not we come, came to find out later that as we started eating, he had somehow needed to go out to his vehicle, probably to smoke some more, and locked his keys out of his car, and then he was just gone. Out of his car? <laughs> in his car. Out in whatever. He didn't have his keys anymore. They were inside the vehicle. <laughs> they were inaccessible to him. Yeah, right. Um, right. And so we ended up waiting like 20 or 30 minutes trying to see him so we could pay or so Michael could pay because he insisted on buying everybody's food that night. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, Go ahead. And as we go outside, him and two of the other Waffle House employees after we paid, we're trying to break back into his van. <laughs> I remember that now, okay. It, it it made it worse because they were also probably very high and it was it was just very awkward. But the, the best part about this is like he said earlier, there were seven or eight of us here. Yeah. And Michael insisted on paying and he goes up to the register 
And we knew he had given us free food. We knew that half of our meal was probably free, but there's eight of us. And he's like, that'll be twenty two sixty seven. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, man, like, like, like twenty two sixty seven. And we were like, okay, eight people ate. And I think probably what happened, he did not track <laughs> what we actually no. were going to pay for. So like if eight people ordered a meal, the average price at Waffle House back then was probably about seven to eight dollars a person. So eight people, you're looking upwards of at least sixty something dollars. Yeah, but then we each ate two meals because he kept bringing but he, food. But those were free. I'm talking about just what well, we I know, ordered. But if we had paid for everything, so, it would have been over a hundred. Oh yeah, but he tracks what we order. But I think what he probably did was he got over there, he logged the first couple of meals, and then was just like, "I'm gonna go do something else now." And That's he just he totally to forgot and was trying to break into it. When we yeah. Went. So, uh, yeah, Nick, thanks for being on the podcast today. Uh, well, no. <laughs> I, I do have another yeah. story, but it really needs Michael to lead into this. And then me and Caleb can explain our side of this story. So this was the, the second year that I was at camp uh-huh. after, I don't remember if it was the, the, the night we went to like the putt, putt go-kart place, or if it was the Redbirds game. Right. I don't remember which night it was, but one of those two nights, me and Caleb had disappeared. Oh, man. And Michael didn't know where we... Everybody else had been back in the room, and Michael had no clue where me and Caleb were. So, I I can say this, or I can let you two say it, as far as looking out for you all. What? You're not hard to miss. Oh, yeah, no, okay, no, I'll tell people who are listening to this. I'm, like, almost 6'3", and Nicholas is, like, 6'4 and a half, almost 6'5", yeah. and we're um, broad-shouldered, and I'll add to that, rotund. Yeah, is I should have said you, a, you're hard to miss. Very hard Not hard would mean that you're, you know, Brandon Blackwell. Um, well, yeah. Brandon still looks like he's 10. I hope he's <laughs> listening to this, because every time I get to talk to Brandon, I just insult his his height no um i'm also very short i'm like an inch taller there's also gonna be a story about him yeah in a little while so and an air mattress um that night here's here's the big problem um i don't remember if it was this year or not but we'd had some issues in years past with people not staying where they were supposed to stay at the redbirds game that's probably when this was because i would have been on a heightened frustration of not knowing where you two were. You frustrated? Oh, I know. Um, get, get out. Uh, no. <laughs> so, I come back to the apartment, and I didn't have the responsibilities at camp that I have now. I was just a counselor then. Maybe even just a camper counselor. Um, and so... I think you were a student that year. So, you were a student camper. Yeah, that's true. You were a student counselor. And I had a test that next day. Which meant he had spent all his time at Waffle House and was tired. That's right. I had Well, I wasn't doing the Waffle House thing then. Ah. I had failed too many tests at a certain point where I just was like, I got to change it up. It was after summer school that I discovered to do this. But I knew I had a test the next day that I had to study for, I think. And I'd already spent much of that week. There were there were a couple guys in the apartment that year, I think it's this year, that were asking questions. And I would answer those questions. So like a guy would be like, What do you think about this subject? And it, it was like a controversial subject, you know, a very debated topic in the brotherhood. And I would say, This is what the Bible says on it. And he would be like, But what if I don't agree with that? And I'm like, Let me let me point back. This is what the Bible says on it. 
but what if I don't see it that way? And he kept like, he kept saying it in a way that was just going to be like, I would catch on it and go, oh, man, then you're good. I forgot about this passage. It says, if this guy doesn't agree with it, you're good to go. And so I, for like hours, I'm going round and round in circles with this guy. Needless to say, he's losing his mind. And then I said, go to bed. And then the next night, I and I made the dumb decision because I have a rule in the apartment. The rule in the apartment is if you, except you two, because you guys always had the couches. But other than you guys who had the couches, if you were a first year at Foundations to third year in my apartment, you slept in the living room and the kitchen area. If you were more than three years in Foundations, you got a bedroom. And that... That's not entirely true because he made myself and Nicholas stay in the in the uh, living room to... Well, the couches the, were there. Keep the children... That's, but it but wasn't that, because that's of the couches. True. It was because we were basically well, security. And you brought knives every year to sharpen, and I knew that no, would terrify okay. the young children. You're going to absolutely freak your dad out. What? Okay? That is... It is not that bad. It, I mean... There were several knives <laughs> being sharpened one year, and then the next year y'all didn't bring as many. So I can only assume well, we're gonna have a someone said something. No, we're not. We're not? <laughs> we're not. Not about your dad? No. Oh, come on. Oh, which part about my dad? Just the, coming into the room. Oh, yeah, that one's fine. Okay, um, good. So um, <laughs> basically, we had already had an issue of people not being where they need to be. Because like, we would always tell them, you can walk the whole park, but you can't go past this point. And every year we'd have somebody go past this point. There were a couple of years where they'd go past the point and they'd leave the park and they wouldn't realize that they left the park. That was Caleb, by the way, if you heard that, um, they would leave the park and no one would know that they left. And then we would have to go find them. And so every year we were trying to combat this. And finally, we just started putting counselors down there. And basically when they got to that point, the counselors were like, go back. And so, you know, thankfully we had guys like me and others that were like, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I can sit here and point people back when the time comes. But, that year, I couldn't find Caleb and Nick, which was very uncharacteristic of them, too. Like, they were always in the apartment, Nick especially. Um, I'm sorry, that sounds mean, but I don't mean it to be mean. It's very accurate. I'm not, like, a sports person, so yeah. I wasn't out in the parking lot playing yeah. basketball or anything. Right. When we had the opportunity to go back to the room where it was air-conditioned. That's right. You were And there. more comfortable than metal chairs in the fellowship That's hall. That's true. We went back to the room. I think I gave you a key. One year too, when I when we were the students there, both keys. I think I just gave you the key and yeah. was just like, both of y'all just do what you got to do. It's yeah. fine. Well, and also um, you got to include that Nicholas never played any sports, like ever. And it wasn't because he yeah. wouldn't have been good at them; it was because he just gross. Yeah, and, yeah. Anyway, and so I'm looking for them. I can't find them, and I start texting counselors like, "Hey, are Caleb and Nick Lowry in your apartment? Are Caleb and Nick Lowry?" And no one's answering me. No, they're not in here. No, they're not in here. And Philip Patton, when you give Philip a job, Philip is going to, you know, he he was going to make sure that that job got done. And so I was like, hey, I can't find Caleb and Nick. And he knew y'all too. And so he was like, I'm on it. And the next thing I know, y'all just came like walking in. Is what I remember okay, at least. Okay, okay, we gotta, we gotta, so we you gotta fix, backtrack. You okay. fix, backtrack it because so, I'm, I only remember what happened when y'all came back in. Okay, so housekeeping first. What year did Foundations start? 2008. Okay. I, my first year was 2009. I did the math. Came when I was 13. That would have been 2009. Yeah. So second year. The reason that's important is because I spent the first however many years of camp with Michael when Michael was a counselor. I mean, as a, as a camper. Yeah. Not a counselor. Right. Nicholas never did that, but I, I was with Michael way before. Yeah. And the reason that's important is in this story – 
Nicholas and I were actually older than the other counselor in, in our apartment. Yeah. So it's it's like we're the oldest. We Anyway, so we're – go ahead, Nicholas. Go ahead. Well, another important point is Caleb went his first year at 13. I went my first year at 18, which I thought of another story about this that I can tell in a few minutes that's yeah. kind of a funny one to tell. But I think it was the Redbirds game because we got back late, but we had been uh, – the two of us had been put on the bus with – what is his name? Can we talk about the names of the counselors? Um, it's who we were talking to because we were Jacobs. talking. It was Caleb Jacobs. I couldn't yeah. remember what his name was. I'd forgotten. Wow. It's probably, I it's it terrible. was probably Emily Jacobs' fault that y'all didn't come back to the apartment. No, she, she wasn't, wasn't there. there. No, it was Emily Jacobs' fault, and I will go to my grave saying that. <laughs> Emily Jacobs, if you're listening to this podcast, shame on you. Unsubscribe <laughs> we, right now. I don't know how we got started talking to Caleb Jacobs, but we got started talking to him because he had like brought a bus that year, and we were on a smaller bus. Yeah. And everybody else got off the bus, and we just started talking to him. Well, after an hour or an hour and a half, so we get back at like 10.30. We're still on this bus sitting and talking to Caleb Jacobs at midnight. <laughs> Michael has sent the other counselor at this point from the room to just go look for us outside. Yeah. At this point, that counselor gets on the bus and is on the bus with us for the next hour and a half. Hour, yeah, the guy that I send to come get yeah. you, you know, okay, in Galatians 6 1, the Bible says, When a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, first consider yourself, lest you're also overtaken. That's the illustration I would use because yeah. I sent him to come get you, and literally, he was just like, I'll stay for a while, it's fine, well, it, it, it's cool. But it was, and it was at, midnight, it was at this point when he at midnight, he sends the other counselor, and we end up speaking with him and Caleb Jacobs and, and Nicholas and I. For another hour at least, and that's when he goes and gets Philip. Now, the important part about Philip, I don't remember Philip Philip's the one who made us go back. Yeah. I oh no, Michael Philip. Philip got you. On the bus. No, oh, it no. was Philip. It was Philip. I didn't. So, so, I couldn't leave the apartment because yeah, he was, We had a couple of guys that were too young for me to leave alone. One counselor had to be there. Oh, Marcus was still there that night. Marcus stayed in the room. No, Marcus no, was, was with y'all on the bus. No, it wasn't Marcus. It was the other guy. I don't remember what his name was. Yeah, neither of us. We've been thinking about it. We can't remember his name. I apologize if you know who you. It's probably Marcus. Honestly, it wasn't. Okay, fine. Whatever. Okay, so so Philip Patton is sent to come and find us. And the important part is, I grew up with Philip. His the congregation that he attended far before he ever went to preaching school was my home congregation. I knew him. I grew up with his son. Um, very very good relationship there. So he is not afraid to lay it on thick. Yeah. Well, he he finally finds the bus. That we are in the short bus, mind you, that we are in at the corner of a parking lot with no lights on, sitting in the seats, having this conversation, and now it's one thirty. And the funniest part is he ends up staying and talking with us for like thirty minutes. I hate all of <laughs> and all for of that. our phones, all of our. We came to a mutual agreement that we were not going to answer Michael. <laughs> so, needless to say, they never came back. Definitely. I think that was your last year, though. So It was. Uh, yes, it was. Actually. I really remember Michael getting on this bus and telling us, you have to come to bed now. I might have done that after Philip didn't come and get you out. I think maybe that's how the story's made. But all I remember is it, you were wrong for that. <laughs> now, tell the Brandon Blackwell story. The mattress one. The mattress one, then the Brandon Blackwell story. And remember, on the mattress one, we're just going to talk about what was done. Well, okay. Brandon Blackwell 
his first year was our was that your that was your second year, right? Was his I think first. He was- so for everyone at home, we had a one one guy that was very small and petite at thirteen years old. He came through camp, and then Brandon came like the year after he had started, and so they were both about the same size. But Brandon at that time was a lot more like rambunctious. But shy at the same time. Yeah, but he was rambunctious when it came to me because he was yeah. comfortable around me. Yeah, definitely. And so he stacked a bunch of mattresses up in the in the hallway. I don't know if you remember this part or not, okay, but he see, put a I'm, bunch I'm, of... Okay. I'm going on a completely different mattress story here. We'll, we'll, we'll do that one next then. Stacked all these mattresses in the hallway, and he goes, let's wrestle. Okay, and we made yeah. a wall of mattresses, basically. And it was around like 9 o'clock at night, so I was like, all right, 30 minutes, we'll wrestle. Because Lights Out was like 10 o'clock. We always did Lights Out the way that it was intended to be done. I prom- No, we never did. Okay, <laughs> it's a lie. Um, we, we always turned a light out when Lights Out happened. Technicalities, man. I know. Um, if we turned out more than one, lights were out. Yeah. Anyways, Brandon sets up all this, like, this wall of mattresses and all this, and he's like, let's, let's wrestle. And so a couple guys were into it as far as, we'll, all right, we'll wrestle. They did a couple of quick, you know, all right, he tapped out, you're done. We never let it get any more physical than that because I was, like, very intentional. We're not going to fight. We're just going to roll around and try to pin somebody and make them tap out. That's it. So Brandon then goes, all right, let me fight you, Michael. And I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. It's 935. Everybody get the mat. Because back then we used to stack mattresses up. And that's probably where you're going with this, if I remember correctly. Sort of. Um, yeah. So we would have to stack the mattresses up in an empty apartment so that there was more room during the day. And so I had already told everybody, take your mattresses to where you're going to be sleeping, air them back up if you need to, do all of that. And Brandon just decides to jump me. <laughs> and he jumps on my back and he starts trying to take me to the ground. Well, Brandon was very small. And I'm not much bigger than him, but at that time I was older, so I was bigger. And I was able to kind of throw him around like a little rag doll. And so I pinned him back down to the ground, and he's trying to fight me. And all of a sudden, I hear. (laughs) And I'm like, stop it. Stop. Stop. And I go to the front door, and I open it. And it's one of the secretaries who was living on campus at the time. And she said, I am trying to sleep. She was so bad. I didn't realize it, but we had been wrestling like that for 30 minutes, and it was 10. And so she was, like, angry. Understandably so. Yeah. Because she's got an early morning, and I had to go back in, and I'd be like, everybody's going to bed. I had to lay down the law, and then I went back to the back bedroom, and I stayed up for, like, five more hours, um, you know, because I could. It was, probably, <laughs> um, it was probably the four of us. Yeah, back then before the, the couches, y'all were in the back, yeah. Yeah, well, but we even we, we hung out there yeah. at the back with... Also, what happened to not using names? Well, it's not, we, we can use Brandon's name. Fair enough. He's... Okay. Brandon's I mean, Brandon... Well, there was one other guy that was back in the back every night just yeah. talking. With, yeah. You know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. And so the mattress story you're telling about Brandon, though... Okay, so it wasn't, like, extravagant, but it was hilarious because of how small he was. His first year... And I would like to say, if Brandon, if you hear this, immediate, like the first two days was this, and then you immediately came, became part of everyone that's been there for years. But you were 
doing the wrestling thing because you were kind of obnoxious sometimes with that. Amen. You can attest. Yeah, see? And then I, I love Brandon like a little brother, but little brothers sometimes have to get smacked. <laughs> well, but, okay, so he's, he's doing this whole thing, and it may have been the night after. I don't know for a fact. And one of the air mattresses has deflated slightly, which is also one of the funniest stories that we will get to tonight. And it may have been this particular mattress. But Brandon is sitting on this mattress, at the one at the top of the stack, and Michael tells Nicholas and I, I think it was you, to fold him into a taco. Oh, yeah. And so we then take him, and he was small enough that we folded the mattress around him and then sat on the edges. And he could, I, I, how long did we keep him that way? I want to say we broke the mattress. Didn't well, it? Did, but didn't, didn't we start, like, trying to do the Devo study when he was yeah. that way? I don't know for sure. Yeah, I think we started to, and then I think after that, I told y'all to get up like two minutes into the Devo, and then yeah. we couldn't get the air mattress to stay inflated. Yeah. Because these are those tiny twins. They're not the luxurious ones. They're just the $7 mattresses you find of, every they're summer. they're made out of shopping bags, which yeah. is not a problem because when you're trying to get mattresses for 400 people, it makes yeah. sense. Now, there's there's one more story about an air mattress, and then I'm going to give you one more chance to just tell one story that you would like to tell. And we'll we'll call it an episode, and then if we ever want to, we'll have you back. Um, we had a guy that every night would go to sleep, and I didn't know that this was happening. But <laughs> I I would sometimes go and unscrew mattresses. I did this to a lot of people um, because it was always fun. Like with Brandon, I did it a couple times, and when Brandon would wake up in in the morning on the floor, he would be like, "What happened?" And I would always say, man, it looks like your air mattress is broken. You need to go get a new one. Mm-hmm. And then they'd go get a new one every time. And so there was one year where Brandon finally caught on to that. And so we were looking for other people that we could possibly do that to. And I picked a guy, and I kept doing it. And he just kept believing that his air mattress was broken because mm-hmm. he was so good-hearted. Like, he just believes that you're telling him the truth. And so I told him, hey, man, I guess your air mattress is broken. You're going to have to go get it. And I remember my dad, like, on Wednesday goes, hey, why does this camper keep coming up here for mattresses <laughs> and saying that they're broken? I'm like, they're fine. Um, and that's all I would say. Mm-hmm. And dad now knows that I used to do that. But what I didn't know was what you're going to tell people. About? About this same person. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same story. Go ahead. Well, I okay, I did not know that Michael was doing this. And I may have been the second year that this particular person was there. Probably, because we, we didn't normally do that in the first year. Well, he, this particular person, I had this weird thing, because when you're in an apartment with, especially if you're one of the oldest ones, it, it, trying to shower with that many small people, that's terrible. Not at the same time, but yeah. yeah. Obviously, Michael. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't even have gone there if you didn't give me that look. No, but you said, okay, earlier tonight. I was going to clarify it and you, say with it, that many people trying to use the shower before I, you. I know that, but see? what tonight at the lectureship, we talked about faux pas. Like well, my, dad, my dad said that one time he was talking about how when Tish and I were living in the trailer before we were married. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it's phrased. just okay, kind of weird. Okay. When you're trying to shower with that many people, <laughs> why would anyone ever phrase it like that? The more, the, okay, <laughs> like, a lapse in I judgment. Can't be, That's, I can't be called weird. <laughs> For hearing what I but heard. But you didn't even let me finish the statement. Okay, we get what hap- uh, what's happening. So I had this weird thing where I would set an alarm and wake up at like 4 in the morning, 3.30, 
And because nobody was up. And so I would go get my shower out of the way and then go back to bed. Yeah. So nobody was in my way. I, it, was, it just worked. Well, I would take that opportunity when everyone was asleep to go over to this particular person's air mattress and just ever so slightly, as, as, as little as possible, open the valve and let the, the air slowly out of their air mattress so much so that they don't wake up to it deflating. Yeah. And so they would wake up in the morning on the tile. Now, there's a part of this. What I remember is I would do a full-fledged, like, leak, leak before I would go back to bed. Yeah. So that he would he would always come within 30 minutes to my room and knock on the door and go, hey, my air mattress isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go get him a new one, and we'd, we'd get it inflated, yeah. and then he'd go to sleep. What I didn't know was at four in the morning, yep. somebody <laughs> else was going. The same. So we were doing it at unstru- the same time. And, and we didn't pick the person no. together. No. We, I did it where he could come back and, and be awake for it. And then I, every morning I'd go out there and he'd be on the floor. And I kept thinking, is he actually getting a broken air mattress? But see, but see, that's the best part about the story is that you didn't know I was doing that. And so he ended up getting a new air mattress like three times. Yeah. And you'd had no idea. You felt bad. Oh, I mean, for a Well, moment. as much as Michael can feel better. I felt bad that he genuinely believed that his air mattress was deflating because, no, it wasn't. The Bible. Oh, no, I know about the Bible. Have you have you ever said that before? No, but I'll say it now. Okay, so. Are we thinking about the same story? The? Yes. Yes. The best story. The. <laughs> yes. So, we, this this same individual had been... A lot of 13-year-olds come into the apartment because what I like to try to do is I like to have a wide variety of age. I want to have 13 to 19, a little bit of each age because that helps kind of I, – I get to watch everybody kind of grow up and go through the, the you know the camp together. But then at the same time, I get to watch the younger guys learn from the older guys, and the older guys say to the younger guys, hey, don't be an idiot. Don't do this. That's dumb. This is how we do it. And everybody has often said there's this expectation in the apartment that I have you all do what? Where do you have to be if you're going to be on time? How early do you have to be? See if you remember. I don't know because I never made it there. Oh, man. What do you remember what I would say? Only like 20 minutes. I don't know. I don't remember because I was usually late as well. Wow. I I think it was five minutes early. You got to be everywhere five minutes early? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's too logical for Michael. Maybe it was. It was five or ten minutes because if you're you're on time, you're late. That was what I kept telling everybody. I I definitely remember. And so the older guys with two exceptions apparently, <laughs> would often say to the younger guys, we got to go because there's this rule. So that worked out really well. But a lot of times, like Brandon, like some other guys that we've had, they come in at 13 and they feel like they can prove something. And so they want to mess with everyone. Yeah, but you also had a, had a way of culminating that those feelings within... But not not to the th- I wouldn't like wait for the thirteen year come in and be like, yo, mess with me. You just said that like you wanted the, the younger guys to yeah, learn yeah. from the older guys and all that stuff, except well, for yeah. the fact that, that you were the person causing the chaos with not the all of the chaos. <laughs> so here's the thing. So this this individual, he had been kind of messing around true. all Very weekend. True. Very true. Leading up to the night that we did this. And so he was getting all over somebody, joking around about something. And so I was like, you know what? I've had enough of this. And so I said, Hey, um, Write a letter to my beta fish because you've heard it. You've heard no, his feelings. No, no it oh, was no. the letter apologizing to the guy for the candy. Uh-uh. It was to the beta fish. Was it fish. to the beta fish? Yes. Uh. Because the candy thing happened later. And okay. so 
he writes this letter apologizing to the beta fish, and he brings it out to me. And I had already determined I was going to just knock down a peg, just just as a joke, thinking he's not going to believe me. But 13-year-olds can be gullible. And so I said, hey, this letter looks really great, except there's one problem. You misspelled the word the. Mm-hmm. T-H-E is not correct. It's T-H-E-E. And he was like, no, that's not true. And I was like, go get my Bible off my, my desk. Now, I was in preaching school using the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> Old King's English uses words like thee and thou. The in that phrase would be T-H-E-E. So he brings the Bible to me, and I just found a random passage that had that in there, and I said, look. And his face was like, what? He couldn't believe it at first. And he, he was like, oh, I didn't realize that was correct because he didn't use a King James Version. And I used that against, like, to my advantage because I knew he wouldn't be. But you've also, you've also got to flesh out the fact that this sounds like it's quick, okay? He made him go write this letter, and it was a legitimate letter. It was over a page long. Yeah. And he went back to his room, and he wrote it. He comes out. Michael convinces him. Well, actually, Michael and I convince him. And this took, like, 10 minutes to convince him, and the Bible was, like, the final straw. Yeah. And we, Michael made him go rewrite the letter correctly spelling the word. So, later on that week, Philip Patton came up to me, and he said, why is this camper writing the word the with two E's? And I had to then explain to this camper that I was messing with him. And I was, I was just surprised, because I didn't think that he really believed me. Yeah. I thought he did it to you. A lot of people, like Brandon and others, they'll do it to humor you. Yeah. But he had actually believed me at the time. Now, this guy, stellar guy, really good guy. And he knows now when I'm messing with him, and he'll mess right back. And sometimes he'll just initiate it himself, and he'll just mess with me. And we get a we get along great. But in that moment, he, he legitimately thought for a little while that I was being serious. And so I had to be like, hey, man, I was messing with you on that. My bad. Um, so last stories. Any? I thought of something funny that I don't think I've ever talked to you about. Uh, this is my, terrifying. <laughs> my first year at camp, because I was a first-year student, they decided that all the first years were going to be together. And all the second and third and fourth and fifth years were going to be together. Well, here's the issue. You my first year, I'm 18. <laughs> Most first years are 13. So I'm an 18-year-old in a 13-year-old class. No, 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 okay. Now, they were the same class technically, but they had to be taught differently because I'm in a room full of 13-year-olds. And the 13-year-olds are like, clean your room, respect your parents, and then the 18-year-old class is like, don't be a sinner. But this is also on top of the same year that Michael got raked over the coals for Nicholas not being in the same, yeah. same apartment as me. And then he ends up having to go through eight or nine, however many hours of class we went in with 13. You know, I think I remember telling your dad, I can't put them in the same class together. I'm not guaranteeing that. And he was just like, I don't care as long as they're rooming together. So, you know what? Your dad, that's what he gets. No. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it back around. That's what he gets for treating me like, no. Um, That is funny, though, because I forgot we did that. And I think after that year, we stopped doing that because it was very quickly like, I remember seeing, because, like, everybody would walk together, and you would see a bunch of 13-year-old bodies and then Nick towering over everybody. It was already 6'3". And <laughs> every, year, every year after that, it was mixed. So they yeah. put 13-year-olds in with Yeah, they the would go by kid. name at that point. And yeah. I think um, yeah. 
they would go by name 13 to 16 and then name 17 to 18 or 19 or whatever it was. Um, he couldn't separate us by name. Yep. Yeah, we were stuck together then. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe somebody had that in mind. Fair enough. It's not true, but wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if it was? Um, all right, Nick, Caleb, y'all got anything else? That you, Caleb, you got anything else? You've said your last one, Nick, so. Nicholas, you got any idea? Is that legitimately your last one? Um, well, to be completely honest, and I may get in trouble for saying this, but I have so many stories that I was told I'm not allowed to tell. No, we, we actually say that on every episode. There, there's so many stories that, for, for obvious reasons, because everybody has, like I've had stories that happened to me that like, it's just inappropriate to say that it happened, you know, yeah. like in a mixed audience. And I don't know who all is going to listen to this, so I just don't feel comfortable saying which, certain which things. Which means that you don't get the full experience on the podcast. Possibly. Possibly. There is a there is a chance. Now, guys, I appreciate you being on. I hope you at home listening enjoyed this. Uh, I doesn't care about my last story. This is, uh, do you have one? No, I just want to. Okay, I'm that. muting you. All right, so guys, thanks so much for being on the podcast this week. Begrudgingly, nonetheless, um, I appreciate it. Uh, Matt McBrayer is going to be on the next episode, and Matt is a guy, and he'll be on next week. Uh, and so we're glad to have the opportunity to meet with him and talk to him about some stuff that's happened to him. Don't forget, this podcast is purely entertainment as far as we tell stories about stuff that's happened to us. Uh, but we have this bond through Christ. And so when you come in and you tune into a podcast like this, these are all Christians that have experienced stories like this, and we know that it's okay to laugh. It's fine to have a time of laughter. It sounds like Solomon wrote something like that, I think. And so remember, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to hit your knee and have your funny bone tickled or whatever. Um, you're muted. You can't talk. Um, nope, nope. So next week, tune in for another Did That Really Happen? What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.